creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Pizza. I'm an illustrator working with clients like Apple and the New York Times. As a live storyteller, I pep talk creative teams at places like Warby Parker and Sesame Street to help cultivate a creative growth mindset and develop a sense of collective creative identity and direction. As an ADHD person, I feel like creativity is a must for me to navigate this neurotypical world. This show is just me sharing what seems to be helping me in that journey in case you too must create your own path. There are many times in my creative journey where I feel like I am not quite enough to get to where I'm trying to go. And I think the world's answer generally to this is like buy a Hobby Lobby hand-painted bathroom towel rack that reads, I am enough. And just repeat that affirmation three times a day until you actually believe it. But I actually think the truth may be more complicated than a hand-lettered Hobby Lobby towel rack. I don't, I know, I, I, I don't know if I believe it myself, but, uh, but I've actually embraced the idea that I'm not enough because being the social animal that is being a human, we need each other, right? Like getting to where I'm trying to go creatively and living my creative dreams and contributing my best to the world means not doing that alone and finding ways to collaborate that really makes sense. If you get the sense that something completely essential to your creative practice is missing, in this episode, I want to explore whether or not that thing could be found in a important collaborator. And I'm going to chat with my wife, Sophie Miller, about our latest collaboration, our new picture book, Invisible Things. And we're going to explore two important hard-earned lessons that we learned about collaboration in the process of making this book. If you stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to share a tool for unlocking creative insight to your core creative identity. Uh, The process is called a tension board. You've heard of a vision board. This is a tension board. doesn't sound as fun, but I promise uh, that at least for me, it was more enlightening than a vision board. And still really fun to make, if not more fun. All right, here's my conversation with Sophie Miller about the things that we learned about being better collaborators and reaching a collaboration that we're really proud of, which is our new book, Invisible Things, which is out. When you hear this, it'll be a day before this episode drops. July 18th, 2023, Invisible Things hits the shelves. All right, here's my chat with Sophie Miller. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Hi. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. We're recording a podcast. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so people that have been listening to the show have heard me talk a lot about our new book. Yep. It comes out when? Well. Tomorrow. Tomorrow in the real world, but that's not when this podcast will come out. So yesterday. True. <laughs> uh, and so... People have heard me talk about it for years and then for the past few months talking specifically about the book. But Tuesday, Tuesday, the 18th Tuesday, July. Yeah. In case who knows when people are listening to this. True. And it's exciting. It's scary. I'm afraid and extremely excited. We've been working day and night launching the book. Yeah. It's been a lot. (laughs) Uh, But we're really excited about it. It's called Invisible Things. It's a picture book that you and I made together in case someone who's listening doesn't know, what, haven't, hasn't heard me talk about it in another place. And we wanted to do an episode all about that collaboration because this is the most deeply collaborative project that I've ever done. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's more, you know, I've done a lot of collaborations that are a lot more just kind of fun passing stuff back and forth, that kind of thing. But this was a lot more of an Not intensive. fun. <laughs> there was plenty of fun. <laughs> and there were plenty of arguments and all that good stuff that comes with a project that you're yeah. really... It was, yeah. was kind of long term. So I feel like, at least from my perspective, it feels like kind of seamless now. I can't really see the pieces that are you and the pieces that are me. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I think... Um, for people who have asked about like, how is this collaboration work? Because our names are both on the book. It's just by Annie J pizza and, and Sophie Miller. And, uh, we co wrote it and I illustrated it. That's the most 
basic version of it, yeah. but obviously it's more complicated. I think yeah. in a true collaboration, like you said, the seams of where my stuff ends and yours begins is, is pretty messy, but going all the way back to the first one that I ever created was the whisper. And we were brainstorming how this would be a whole world. This is years and years ago. Um, you came up with the very, the second ever invisible thing. Yep. Which was echo. Yeah. <laughs> and where did that idea come from? I think just inspired by, by your whisper poem which you should share sometime by the way it's really good I like it a lot I just imagined when your kids I don't know I when your kids ask you those questions about like what is that what is an echo I just imagined immediately like what if you just kind of had a kid logic sort of answer and you're like well maybe it's not some boring sound bouncing back at you but it's a character copying you like yeah um and so I think it just inspired me to um just think from that kind of really pure excited fun magical kid perspective and to try to look further and try to find more things like that yeah and we kind of just went from there and I thought we could do an episode because this was such a long-term project uh, a deeply collaborative project, and then also something that turned out to be something that I'm more proud of than anything really I've ever made. I just thought there's a lot of interesting takeaways that we've had to learn the hard way in some ways. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the book is a result of uh, some of these lessons. And so I thought we could just go back and forth um, and share what the biggest takeaway um, on creative collaboration that we had going forward after this project. So what was for you, I'm curious to know like what your biggest collaboration takeaway was. I think there's kind of a few things. I think like once it became clear that I was more officially part of this project, um, it kind of gave me a little bit more ownership. I'm always working on some capacity of with what you're doing, whether it's you know, talking about ideas or whether I'm kind of helping with like the practical details or whatever. Like, I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been behind the scenes on most things you've done, but this felt different. It felt like I was um, right up alongside you and having that more official role kind of immediately gave me more ownership and it sort of motivated me to find me in this idea. Like, And so rather than just being a supportive role of what you were doing, I had to kind of think, okay, my name's on this too. And I need to figure out why I need to figure, I need to kind of define why am I part of this project? What parts of this are me and what am I bringing to it? And it, and it kind of like gave me several years of really reflecting, not only how do I work as a creative, which is what we really kind of figured out like how we really work both individually and then together but it also just kind of helped me see who I was and what I was really bringing to the project that was just really valuable for me as a person I feel like so much personal growth happened in this process uh it's funny because I definitely feel different at the end than I felt at the beginning um I Mm. think 
I majorly romanticized the idea of working as a couple on this book. <laughs> um, I think it's easy course. to do that. I yeah. think I've heard we've done that. Yeah. I've heard lots of couples love the idea of like, oh, we'd love to work together like you guys do. Yeah. And you see it like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be like so magical. It's going to be like two hands and one pen. And we're like, <laughs> I don't know, like it. it <laughs> we should write a song. Yeah. Two hands, two, one pen. Two hands, one pen. Okay. But it really wasn't like that. Like, yeah. it, I don't know, it kind of like broke us open as as a couple. And we yeah. had to kind of like figure figure this dynamic out in a professional way. And so, you know, there were, there were lots of moments at first where it was very high energy. And, you know, we kind of were interrupting each other with ideas and like, we, you know, we'd have those moments when you're like, oh, I've got it. And the other person would be like, unfortunately, we won't be like um, comfortable enough with each other to be a little bit too brutally honest. Yeah. At least definitely on my side, but a little bit both of us. I thought you were going to say. We'd be like, nah, <laughs> I, I don't really like that. And uh, what do you think I, I was going to say? I thought you were going to say that feeling because this happens all the time when you're collaborating like this. Some one of you feels like I've got it. And then I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, you haven't got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's basically how it goes. Yeah, it's true. Like, like you have to co-sign. Uh, ultimately, you have to co-sign everything with yeah. each other. And although like we're on the same page about lots of things, there's also like we're two pretty different personalities. And so it I don't know. It was I would say like, you know, like you imagine like starting a project or a business or something with like your best friend and like, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's yeah. going to be like the best thing in our lives. And you're like, yeah, it will be that. But it'll also put like a lot of kind of unique pressure on you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like the best and the worst. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was really hard. And I also think on that note of that feeling that we get creatively when you're working on something and you have that, I've got it. It's a, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And it is a terrible feeling to be in a collaboration where you feel like you've got it. And the other person doesn't feel like that. And that is really intensely difficult and frustrating. However, we've talked a lot about in our conversations, like kind of unpacking this process, how, the feeling of both of you agreeing yeah. that you've got it yeah. is on a whole other level. Exactly. And usually the work is, it, it indicates the work is legitimately better than something you could have done on your own. Yeah. I mean, at first, like early on in, in, in the process, you know, you, you start thinking, oh no, like collaborating is compromising. <laughs> yeah. And that sucks. You're like, I don't want to compromise on everything. Like, and it feels negative. It feels like, oh, we're just watering down everything. Yeah. But then, but that's like, it's a very early on kind of misconception that you get. And I think once you get a little bit further on, you, re you start to see it actually come together and you realize, oh no, what actually happens is when you do when you do both get on the same idea, when you do, when you do both have that moment of I got it at the same time, it's really like powerful. Yeah. And it's rounded out because two different people have come together for that. And vetted it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it and it really is 
it becomes like next level yeah. an idea that two people have worked on. And I you feel come like. with a, you get a level of creative confidence in those things. The things that you and I were like, both like, we know that it's this. Yeah. There was, we didn't feel the need to compromise with anybody else coming true. into the picture. Which is yeah, really cool. it's true. I mean, when you're working on your own on a project, you really don't have anyone else who gets to make any calls. Yeah. So although, yes, you do have freedom and you, you don't have to compromise a single thing, the downside of that is, yeah, you don't necessarily feel like you are a team. You don't have the confidence of the team yeah. behind you. So that was, I thought that was one thing that was funny to reflect on, like, how differently I feel now. Um, how differently you feel in terms of the romantic notion of yeah. collaboration? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it feel it does, it's not that it doesn't feel romantic in this moment to have done this together, yeah. because it does. Like, we're at a really good point now where we get to celebrate it together, and that's really special. But I think me thinking, you know, oh, we're just going to be like, having a date night and chatting about <laughs> stories and it's yeah. going to be like best ever. And, um, and you know, that's also coming from me not really being super self-aware of how my, my creative process yeah. butts up against yours, you know? And the truth is that we don't really work in the same way. And even though that was hard for me at first, like it was really good for me to learn how to adapt Definitely. I think like at first yeah like we kind of both met in the middle a little bit on creative process um because of having to collaborate yeah and it's something that I think that we will take forward in future relationships and projects with other people and even in our own relationship outside of creating something yeah I wanted to highlight that because our kind of reflecting on this process how how would you label the what your big takeaway was? I think it's probably like owning my own individual strength. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, what I said about like by having my name on something, knowing, having to define my part. Mm. And the way you define your part is by defining what your strengths are. Like, and, and not just like, how are we the same? Let's let's talk about that, you know, let's write that bit, but how are we different? Like, where are the pages that I have to write? Where are the pages that you have to write? And how do we, how do we kind of like seamlessly join them together? And then the pages where we kind of form them together, like that is for me, my takeaway is I think like finding my strengths within my own individual work and then translating that in a new way. Mm. Um, to work with you. Yeah. I was thinking about it this morning and it feels a little bit like I used my words or like mm. I found my words. Um, I think like within my own work, like my fine artwork as a textile artist, like I do have a strong voice. I do have a strong style. Um, it's very maximalist, uh, very slow and mindful kind of meandering process. It's very big wow factor but then when you zoom in each individual part that I've done is a separate little time that I sat with it and I was thinking about you know how my work was me mm. and then how that meanness 
could be translated into a collaboration. And obviously, like, I'm not the visual artist of this book. And so that was an interesting translation. And I had to find the translation between kind of emotional abstract process art and how to put those same sentiments and feelings and passion in words yeah and so those days that I would sit mindfully sewing and kind of getting lost in a simple stitch and just building something big a very small part at a time yeah became me instead that like fine detail focus became about words it became me sitting in dictionaries and thesauruses and just really trying to find the word choice and the word play and the sentence that felt like it had the right nuance of feeling and and meaning um and I feel like I I translated my myself yeah into words I I really love that I think it illustrates something interesting for me as a creator that maybe other people can use as a takeaway I think it's really interesting that we would that you would primarily approach this project through words and I would be covering the picture side for the most part yeah in that the thing that's really fascinating about that to me is that I tend to think in words you tend to think more in impressions or pictures yeah like and feelings and abstract yeah yeah like m- movies or more image based more yeah. impressionistic kind of yeah thinking and both of us, therefore, our creative process becomes a way of translating that to the other way. Yeah. And I think that the reason I feel like that's such an interesting takeaway is it goes against maybe what some of us feel. I guess what I feel like the common narrative around creativity is, which is this idea of it's just an outpouring of your inner world. Whereas we're going through a painstaking approach of trying to take what is natural and then see it from a different angle through creating. And it kind of reminds me of how sometimes, you know, there, there are a few musician, musicians that you and I really like. Um, people like Jens Lechman um, or uh, Phoenix is another one that comes to mind. But there's a lot where they're singing in their non-native tongue. And it sometimes feels like the translating of their thoughts into another language gives them like an aerial view of what they're, they have like a outsider's perspective on the language and they can almost see the weird patterns for turns of phrase that people that are stuck in it can't. Yeah. And I wonder if there's just an interesting takeaway of we're all trying to find what's natural to us sometimes that wrestling of translation gives you something more interesting or potent. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. Like, I think um, an example of where I found, like, really found, like, an interesting thing for me um, was when we were kind of naming some of the characters. And 
you know, it, it's really easy to find the cliche word. And there are lots of board books and, and, you know, kids books that explore simple feelings and yeah. simple, simply named things. But I couldn't, but I wanted to find words that ha- had some wordplay, had some whimsy to even just the sound of them. Um, and so, for example, like, you know, the feeling of sadness or sad. I like this idea that instead of saying sadness, we said the blues. And by using the term the blues, we then could work in not only could this character be a plural character, there could be multiple blues, but they also could be it it referenced color. They could be blue. It also, you know, connects to music and which felt like, again, a really good little note to take in. Another example is guts. We could have used bravery. We could have used brave. But I really loved guts because, yes, it did mean predominantly in the first way we talked about it, it did mean courage. Yeah. But it also had the visual of literal guts, you know, your literal insides, which, you know, we also have this kind of third angle of your gut feeling which kind of feels like it's a meeting point of the two things you know it's this sense of your body and your mind coming together with this gut feeling and so I just loved how much there was to play with if we just carefully chose the word yeah and and I love guts because he looks like a, you know, a character that is in an x-ray. So you can see all his insides and they're, you know, they look like, it looks like candy or like, it looks all very interesting. looks like the game operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's also got this kind of bold, strong presence that feels like a character that is a sidekick when you need them, you know, yeah. they are your courage. When you don't think you have it, you can visualize this character of courage being with you. And, and, and so I just, it immediately just felt fuller to me when, when I played with the words. Yeah. But I think as I started to sort of find me in this way too, I feel like, um, I was thinking about my embroidery and, um, you know, my fiber art pieces, if you've seen them, they're very complex like they have a million little things like you know buttons and textures and fibers and threads and stitch and all kinds of different qualities and from a distance like I'm kind of going for this like maximalist wow factor like this huge expression of all the things Mm. and also if you lean in it's made up of um, a million little moments that you could spend time with yeah. that, you know, could be worthy of attention on its own. Yeah. And so I thought about that. That is exactly what I wanted this book to feel like, Yeah. you know, creating this book that was like a feast of ideas and visuals that you were like immediately smacked you in the face because that's us. We're like, we are all the things like our house is all the things. And I was like, I want this book to hit you like that. But then you can pause with one individual moment, sentence, character. And even there, there's like 
there's not a single part is wasted or filler or space. It is made up of a million little moments of note and idea and intention. And it feels very comparable in those ways. And it helped me to see that, yes, visually, it's not me. Like some of the characters in form may, you know, were a little bit my idea, but visually it is your artwork and obviously it's perfect for your artwork. But I love that I was able to find that there is my and our spirit and artist spirit in it. We've had that and that quality, that maximalist quality is definitely something that we clicked with from the beginning of our relationship. Yeah. I never really fully put it together this way, but I've been doing a series about how, you know, I'm pulling on some of the depth psychology stuff that I've been into and the idea of projection. We all project our inner worlds onto people (laughs) for bad and and mostly bad when you do it to people and onto the world. But that art is a projection is that same kind of projection, but it's on a page. And it's a great safe place to do that. And I hadn't, but I hadn't really thought about how you and I both being maximalist attracted to each other's work because of that and taste because of that, because we have a lot going on the inside. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, on the outside, that's not all, we're we're not always, we don't always seem similar in that way. Like I can come across kind of reserved or, you know, whatever. You can come across rather hyper, but I think we both are pretty intense characters and we have a lot of, a lot of feelings and a lot of stuff. And so it's, and, and, and unique things too. Like we do round each other out and this book does feel like, I think this book feels what it is because not of our similarities, not of, not because of our strengths as a couple but because we were given license and space to add enough of ourselves to it yeah that it kind of I mean the reason we're together I think is because we're similar enough but just different enough that it rounds us out into being able to kind of survive as a family and I think this book feels like that. It it feels, I don't know. It feels, it, it feels really good to me and very, we didn't actually share what our specific takeaways were going to be before we recorded this, but I yeah. find it really interesting because I think it speaks to kind of the stage of where you and I are as individuals and how we entered this process because if I had to summarize what I think yours is, is when you're entering a collaboration, not so much don't lose yourself, but know what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's it. I do think like somewhere along the way, like I did start not knowing exactly what my part was. And then as we got closer to like the book coming out and people were asking me, Oh, so what's your part? Cause we know Andy did the artwork and I realized I needed to kind of re-examine that because it was it didn't feel simple to me. It felt like, well, we just made it together. Like, yeah. I don't know how to say it more than that because I didn't write all of it and you didn't 
form all of the concepts and yeah. and so it just was a lot more blurry and and so yeah I think I think like in a nutshell um you can find yourself and you can put you in a collaborative project even if it might be in a new way like you yeah. can put your essence your voice you know I put my words in that and it feels like my art even though I've never put art uh, words in my art before yeah even though my my art is very, very different to how this looks. And I think it shows up too where the idea of knowing who you are as an individual is a is a key to a, a good collaboration. It showed up as well in terms of process. So both in terms of knowing yourself and what kind of value you bring forward and what yeah. you're contributing is really powerful. And then also knowing yourself and what you're bringing to the table in terms of process, because that was the other thing that you and I both learned the hard way. We had to learn that, oh, creating doesn't mean the same thing to each other. We no. have to come at this. We have to figure out how to create a collaborative process that is a Venn diagram of your process that works for you and one that works for me. Yeah. And that's another way that you have to show up with self-knowledge. Yeah. And even like in the literal process of working, you know, I, I thought when we started, oh, we're just going to talk about it all the time and it'll be great. And first of all, you don't work like that. No. And I'm very external and kind of had, had to come to terms with, oh, he's not external. And so this is a little bit one-sided. And so you were kind of encouraged to kind of be a little bit more vulnerable with your sort of half-baked ideas. And I was encouraged to kind of go away and process on my own, which is not something I like to do, but it was very healthy for me to learn to do that. And I actually started to write things down more, um, which also helps me retain them yeah. rather than saying them. And then the next day, like, I can't even remember what we said, but I know that I liked it. Yeah. Um, this is a way for me to like process it further and retain it. And it also helped me because again, I was using written, written language, um, which helped boost my confidence then um, with putting it into words. So yeah, I I just feel like it helped me as an individual find myself, my creativity, my voice, regardless of whether the medium was going to be a new one for me. Yeah. Um, and and what about you? Yeah, that uh, a minute ago I was talking about why it was interesting that your takeaway was finding yourself as an individual going into a collaboration with a clear sense of that. Yeah. And it's, first of all, ju I'm just going to backtrack just slightly because I love the last thing you just said. And you just <laughs> segued into a question. I just love that. I think it's one of the most formative things for creators what to is? find their artistry detached from a medium. Right, yes. Yep. I think that is, and you were getting at that and it made it so much clearer when you said it that way. That was the nutshell for me where yeah. you could look at this book and see your your fabric wall hangings and, and they're not there. Exactly. Like, and yeah. it's like, can I get you to 
grasp my creative identity without showing you them with words. And yeah, that's essentially what this book was for me was like, how can I insert my identity without my art, visual art? Yeah. And that the thing that's so powerful about that is when you come back to your comfortable medium, now it's not about the medium. It's about, you have a clear sense of the abstract. And it's funny that, uh, another big, one of the other really formative collaborations, one of the only other ones in my practice, cause I'm a very solo creator is, uh, my buddy, Andrew Nyer. He and I have had the same realization separately where I really found myself as uh, a, a storyteller that uses images. Yeah. And you could say that as an illustrator, but I do it with words all the time too. Yeah. Uh, and he really, over time, even though he's a lighting designer and was an illustrator and studied printmaking, he really has found that no matter what he's doing, even if he's just employing people, he's doing it as a concept artist. Yeah. And we've joked about how his he's been a boss of this team that have fabricated lights for the past few years. And that looking back, I can see, we both can see how he's treated being an employer like a conceptual artist. And he's done that. He's treated being a dad that way. And it's just interesting to hear your take on, yeah, may, being made to switch mediums, yeah, getting you more in touch with the core of your identity as a creator. And maybe by being forced to, it then helps me kind of break down that rule of my creativity is bound by my medium yeah because now I have a bit of a different concept of what my creativity is and it's much more connected to my identity yeah my because it it feels like oh it's about it's about expressing myself ultimately like yes I have skill sets in a certain area but I do think that um I'm not I'm not bound by skill I think that what really is happening is that I very strongly want to express something and I could be capable of expressing it through different mediums. Yeah. And it kind of gives you that freedom to try, which is really cool. And I feel like I'm going to move forward feeling like I could try new things. Yeah. It's really cool. I also think it's a powerful concept because it's easy as a creator, especially the further you develop your skill in a particular medium, the more comfortable it can be to make that label, that medium synonymous with your identity. Yeah. And if you are identifying with the medium, you're identifying with the surface and therefore you're going to probably make less deep work because you're you're really getting so you're getting caught on that level and you're comfortable and if you're comfortable you're not wrestling with it and if you're not wrestling with it maybe maybe you're doing it a little mindlessly in some ways and sometimes we need that you know like if it's your job you need to be able to just do it sometimes regardless of what you feel like that day but if you know you're approaching it more through i don't know a sort of through expressing yourself or through self, trying to develop even. yourself yeah. or your sense of self, I think it it's an interesting concept to consider. Can you, can you change it up somehow and still feel like it's you Yeah, in essence? 
Yeah. It's really, I think there's, there's a lot to, for people ourselves even to think about with like getting at what that is even, because it, I don't know if it, maybe it can't be articulated further than that, but it's something around like when you're, when you get past the medium and you're, you're starting to get closer to like a sense of self, which is yeah. clearly a much more abstract thing. But as you've created, you've be, it's become more concrete for you. Yeah. And then as you move to other mediums, it gets more concrete. Eventually, I have felt like I got over, you know, the past 15 years of really seriously making stuff. I do feel like I have a much deeper sense, even if I can't fully define it, of this is who I am. Yeah. The more you kind of take it out of one context, the more you can see what it is. Yeah. And so now I feel like I'm starting to see what is me and I can I can kind of define what a me-ish thing would be yeah outside of fiber art so like I've been exploring like what is what is me-ish about our house like like what is my take on having a garden or what is me in clothing and hair and and I'm starting to be able to see it clearer because it took it out of this box and it's just been fascinating mm. that's I, I absolutely love that and I, it reminds me kind of of that idea we're just going on and on about this because I could go I <laughs> we could went just on keep a going. tangent here. I know but you added that little bit and it was just too good Aww. to not I had to there's so much there um, I've heard that quote of how you do one thing is how you do all things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's something but, around that. But if you don't think about how you're doing it, you're not thinking about it. And I'm not, I wasn't thinking about it. Like yeah. I was so comfy within my art that I wasn't really thinking about. And in some ways, even when I became a mum, I like started to reject the identity of my art because yeah. it felt like that can't be me anymore. Like that it did, it felt like there was a gap between those two people, but I obviously realized now that gap was just the hustle of being a mom. Yeah. And the more that that has kind of eased up, the more I've, you know, leaned back into being my true self again. And I've just related more and more to my art. And then I'm able to kind of bridge that gap of identity through other angles yeah okay so we can that is a good uh, entry point into my biggest takeaway yeah if you're unless you want to add anything no no uh, <laughs> absolutely not um i said too much uh well, I, yeah it, i think it goes straight into what my biggest takeaway is but before i get into this i just want to give one tiny disclaimer Uh-oh. that one of the i some of the language that i'm going to use Kay. I love I, your scared. face. I knew you'd, you're like, I'm Andy, squirming. don't you, what are you going to say? Um, no, some of the language I'm going to use is just going to use some like uh, historic kind of conventional um, use of the word masculine and feminine. Now, okay. you and I don't subscribe to those ideas in nah. pretty much any way. <laughs> not really. Not in our roles in the house, not in our lives. You know, we we definitely defy all those yeah. um, boxes. But um, it, just for the sake of having some language. But I, I think any gender, any expression of that could have these different experiences and qualities. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to... Uh, 
You don't have to be afraid. But I'm, you're dragging me down with you wherever you go in here. Yeah. Okay. I'll, all I'm, I, I'm just going <laughs> to say I was going to talk about how, for me, going into this, where you were going into it through this, like finding, reclaiming yourself as an individual. Yeah. I felt like my journey was uh, finding myself as a team. Yes. Finding myself as someone who is part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think why I brought up the masculine feminine thing was because you could see that as the he hero's journey, which is the finding the individual versus the heroine's journey. Now they've been defined in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But it's kind of my understanding that in the process of individuation, in-depth psychology, there's an idea that you're going to find that you may go on the hero's journey first uh -huh. and then have to go on the heroine's journey or flip-flopped. Now, traditionally, back in the day when this started to be an idea and ideas were a lot more dated. Yeah they would put those in the boxes of male, female. Yeah. Now I do think in the way that we're discussing it today, that you and I did follow the conventional paths of those two things. Yeah. But I th I've, I've experienced people going on these in a cyclical way, back and forth, up and down, whatever. I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason or right way to do it. Mm -hmm. But... I felt like my 20s and my early 30s were so, I, I so deeply identified with the archetype of the hero. And I think it's because it is about finding your value, your ego as I'm an individual. Here's what I have to offer the world. Yeah. Here's my elixir. And you're really fighting to know yourself. Yeah. And then I feel like for the past five or six years, I've been struggling through the next journey, which is, okay, great. You have a sense of your value. What does it have to do with anybody else? Cause it all, it's all yeah. for everybody else. And I think that this process was for me is what I, what uh, is called embracing the tension of the opposites. Yeah. And I think what is so, what I loved about the book and I loved about this collaboration when it worked and when it was at its best and in the product that it created was it felt like it created a more evolved piece of work than I was capable on of doing on my own. Uh -huh. uh, Don't <laughs> cry. You cried cry. both times we tried to do this podcast now. Okay. I'm not going to cry. I am feeling feelings, We've but gotta get through one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not that like I'm not like a kind of person that does you can't cry, but no. we're trying to get we're trying to get this. Made. We're trying to we're yeah trying to make a podcast. <laughs> uh talk about unconventional um I know, gosh masculinity. But um uh, gender roles. But up until this point, I think even as a creator, I was most drawn to creating things that were more hero's journey-ish in that here's the point. Here, there's one point. This is my perspective. This is what it is. And I think a lot of like fairy tales and kids' movies and myths have that structure. Mm -hmm. And then over the past five years, I've become really obsessed with, I've been moved by things that are more the tension of opposites, which is a more 
it's a, I wouldn't put a hierarchy on it where it's more mature or better than the hero's journey, but it has the, we, you and I, one of our favorite movies of the past uh, 12 months is the Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. And when I listened to the creator of that talk, he said, here's these two characters and they have their points of view. He wanted them to feel as equal as possible. Yeah. And that's the tension of opposites. Yeah. And I felt like it took me forever to get there in the process of making this. Like at first I was just like every compromise felt like I'm losing. We're watering down my element. And then eventually I started to feel like, oh, the best thing this could be is a tension of you and me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's funny that we individually came up with what our takeaways were. and They were the same thing, but opposite. Yeah. It's, I know. I thought as soon as you were telling me yours, I thought that's hilarious. And I think it's, it speaks to, um, I'm sure a lot of, uh, people that chose to be a full-time parent, whether you're dad or mom for a season, you know, while your kids are little, you probably resonate with that feeling that Sophie has. Yeah. You can't, you can't be everything and do everything. I found it really hard to have a thinking mind and a doing mind at the same time. So I've been in a mode of doing for years and I forgot to think about stuff and I forgot to think about, I I just like lost a sense of what I was as a person and that's okay. Like I was having fun and loving my kids and it was special, but now that they are a little bit more independent and I have a little bit more space around things, you know, it just naturally starts to kind of creep back in. And I almost was surprised. Oh, you know, I'm not vanilla. <laughs> well, actually, I just I saw like a meme, vanilla, a meme about vanilla today. I really like vanilla. Like, I, I hate that vanilla is sort of synonymous with boring. Bland. Because to me, it's the perfect flavor. I literally, this is this is a perfect place to end on because... <laughs> The synchronicity of you <laughs> going on a little mini rant about vanilla is perfect in that today yeah. I read a rant online yeah. about vanilla that I almost told you because you and I both think vanilla is massively underrated. It is. It's not, it's like, it's, it's not, it doesn't mean beige. Yeah. Like it has its own very particular yes. flavor that's, I'm obsessed. I love it's vanilla not, as a flavor. Vanilla isn't a absence of flavor. And they it's talked about how this is a orchid that needs to be hand pollinated and, and cultivated. And it has this in all. And if it's, if we didn't have it, the absence of flavor and so many different things we have, I just thought it was funny that you, you would know. do that. Well, I was I said going it to tell accident. you that today. Well, well, you know what I'm like, I have to defend things, but, but I genuinely, like I genuinely will defend vanilla. Yeah. And I think, uh, I love that you said also, it's okay that you lost your sense of self yeah. in a way in that moment again, because I think that's the cycle. And I have been on a journey since probably like 2019 ish around trying to lose 
my sense of self a little bit. Like just try, trying <laughs> That's to. That's a weird thing to say. I know, but I do think it's true. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to lose it completely. You don't want to lose your sense of self. You just want to soften a little I bit. I want to become more maybe. part of the whole. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. You just you need to kind of be a bit more open. Maybe yeah. you don't have to kind of be striving as much. Forward. And that's that hero thing of like, yeah, yeah, t- totally true. Uh, I love it. That's really, I, uh-huh. and I think those are the two, that's the tension that you have to hold in a collaboration is remember what you're bringing to the table, have a clear sense of this is the value I'm bringing. This is the process I work well in. Mm-hmm. And then also know that a, a, the reason you collaborate would be to embrace two different things at the same time. And I think historically it makes me think about how how many collaborations couldn't stand the test of time even though what they made together was clearly brilliant right it's it's sad isn't it yeah and it's and maybe it just is because when it really when it really is working as a collaboration it's really personally difficult because it is a there's conflict happening. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, not to say that this was awful or anything, but like there was a lot of kind of interesting dynamic happening within our relationship and within our own individual creative processes. And I would imagine if we didn't have a close relationship with each other, that it would be very easy to just be like, this this is this like, isn't forget it yeah like, why, yeah why struggle this? through these different challenging yeah. pieces yeah exactly thanks for doing that thanks for sharing all that and I I'm looking forward to collaborating again <laughs> <laughs> why do you say weird I don't know <laughs> that's just my nature uh, I brought the weirdness yeah and you brought the mindful spirit. And I some like, fight. I like one of the funny things were like seeing how people reviewed it because then I, f- I really loved seeing what other people, what other words people chose to yeah. describe our thing that we made. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, you know, that there were some really funny dis- descriptors. What comes to mind? Like, and it's funny because it's so me and you, and it's also so opposite. Yeah. One person described the book's narrative as energetically meandering. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, if that ain't me and you, like you, your energy and my kind of like sort of op not opposite of energy, but just kind of like my dilly dallying kind of like, we're just going to kind of weave our way through our our own pit like somehow they saw my me and you in it so true another another way that we were described and maybe this is cringy to say but someone described it as like playful and wise yeah which those two words are so different yeah but like we really did want this book to be kind of like heartfelt and really silly and to and to kind of I don't know. I, I just feel like lots of the ways it was described in in reviews felt like they were somehow describing our dynamic too. Yeah. Which and, was funny. Yeah, and describing what I was saying about the tension of opposites. Yeah, it's I know. It's really fascinating. To, almost every review so far 
And th- this only, this part of the tension only just occurred to me and how true it is to you and I and the way that we push each other and, all, and, in, and encourage each other. Almost every review has commented on the book being both a meditation yeah. and chaos. Yes. And I'm like, how, crazy. how could a book how? do how? that? And that's and how it does it is me and you make a book. Yeah, me and you are, a, uh, that is me and you. 100%. And, and that's some, so cool. Somehow we've managed to put it in a picture to book. To make it so, somehow blur the lines between chaos and meditation. Yeah. What on earth? It's ama- I mean, that, that feels very, I'm proud of that. It's, it feels very, I try and imagine like, I try and visually imagine what energetically meandering looks like. And it's, it's like a lightning bolt as a footpath. It's, I don't even know. And also meandering and energetic feels like Again, hero's journey versus the heroine's journey. The hero's journey being like, Let's go. we're going to go get that hill. <laughs> yeah. And then the heroine's journey being a much more exploratory side questy thing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't fully even realized that in, in, in these like reviews and what people have said, but that's, I've loved it's it. It's really cool. It's I've really loved, cool. I've loved the, their word choices. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Uh, Love you. Love you. No, I can't do this. I can't do this. I I planned that knowing that level of uh, cheese was going to break you. (laughs) I just died a little. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Welcome. It's me again. I've come back to give you a quick call to adventure, your creative prompt to put some of these ideas to the test. Sophie and I were talking about how to apply these ideas, and we came up with this idea of a tension board. And it's something that her and I have both done in different ways. In a way, this book is a tension board for Sophie. And it's the idea of creating a kind of vision board or mood board, but through the lens of the medium that feels the most opposite to you. So if you think in words, maybe it would be a traditional mood board in pictures. Or if you think in pictures, maybe it's a tone poem, like a collection of words that you string together. If you're a photographer that can't carry a note, maybe it's a playlist. But essentially, you're trying to do that thing the way you do all things. Approach it the same way that you approach your medium. And this might Take a minute to reflect on how you approach your medium, but you're trying to approach something that is the tension of the opposites, the being yourself in a place that is completely uncomfortable to you. And it got me thinking about one of my favorite just weird things in the world is how vinyl records were created. This idea that you could take a sound and etch it into a piece of hot plastic And you could actually, with a microscope, see that song in a waveform. Like, that is mind-boggling. But I think it gets to this notion of 
everything, maybe being one thing fracted out, you know, sound being light and this synesthesia being a truth to how maybe there isn't as much multiplicity and and difference between things as we think, but they're just kind of refractions that give nuance and beauty to all things. And yeah, that's a pretty trippy idea. But at the same time, you hear these quotes around, uh, there's a famous quote, it's escaping me who said it, but it's a famous painter who said, you know, if I could say it in words, I wouldn't have painted it. And I think that's true. That's, it's, it's, it's this incredible thing to translate yourself into different mediums and you get to see something that you couldn't see if it was a song or if it was a photo, you know, you can only see if it was an illustration. That's kind of the beauty of this refraction, but the wrestling to translate, to try to say it with words when you could only say it with painting, sometimes you get a outsider's perspective by holding that tension. And that's what the tension board is for. And so you could make a playlist, a tone poem, a visual collage, And then after you've done it, maybe step back and say, what are the similarities to how I approached this to how I approach my work? And you might see a thread that is a deeper truth about your identity as a creator that goes beyond the label of how you identify with your medium. And for me personally, moving from illustration to storytelling on the podcast or on stage really unlocked my illustration. It wasn't until then that I actually put invisible things into words and pictures online. It was years into this podcast and there was something about the way that it helped me see differently by working in words. And it really unlocked my illustration, another layer of my illustration practice. And I think it can be a really powerful thing. So you can, after you do it, say, what are the similarities? And then also what's different or surprising that maybe you're not putting in your medium of choice because you've you've gotten so comfortable with your grooves that they've become ruts and you're not bringing your full self to them. And so you can also see what's the same and then what's surprisingly different. episode is the last episode that is brought to you by an invisible thing and the invisible thing is the well-being the well-being is a favorite of sophie and i we uh, both love this creature that looks like he's meditating and has all this foliage growing out of him that's one of the characters from our book invisible things sophie actually wrote a really moving and powerful post uh, that I just loved on our Invisible Things Instagram recently. Uh, you can go see it at, in, at I See Invisible Things on Instagram and follow along on the project there. Uh, I chose it because it's the one that reminds me most of her. I think that we joke a lot about how uh, I have my head in the clouds and she has her feet on the ground and we kind of hold that tension. And I think that the book is a product of that. And actually, I feel like my whole creative practice is a product of that because we've always been in each other's work and collaborated and provided feedback and ideas and and shared um, our creativity with each other. So that's the one that I'm, I'm bringing to you this week. 
It's been a heck of a journey launching this book. Thank you so much to everybody that showed up and supported it. Uh, if you are listening to this the week of the 18th, we would, if, if you're going to buy the book, buying it this week would be so helpful because it help us give it a boost in the early numbers, get on some lists and some radars of people that can help share the book. This thing is something that's deeply important to me and Sophie. We're very, very proud of the final product and uh, we can't wait to see it get out there. So go to invisiblethings.co and you can purchase the book um, through various links or you can read about it a little bit more. And um, huge, huge thanks to the community of listeners that has that have just showed up in such a massive way. The publisher was very surprised by the level of support that you all came through with. And uh, it just means the world to uh, me, Sophie, and our family. So thank you so much for doing that. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Massive thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for sound design and editing. Thanks to Ryan Appleton, Katie Chandler, and Sophie Miller, of course, for podcast assistance of all sorts and kinds. And thanks to you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. I'll see you all in a few weeks. See ya.